0: This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson.
1: A good Wednesday to you. It's September 7th. I know that this is cliche to say things like this, but doesn't it feel like September's just... Blowing by, much like the summer did. Uh, hard to believe we're already a week into September. People are back into the full swing of things. And, of course, there are implications there. Sapria DeVetti and I just wrapped uh, this week's edition of Seriously. That podcast is, is out uh, absolutely uh, deftly and fabulously produced by technical producer John Hicks, who does an amazing job on Wednesdays for us. Supriya and I talk about the beginning of fall session. Politically, it's a big deal. It's, of course, a big deal for families as well. Everybody gets back into their regular routine. Everybody gets back into their so-called normal, though what does that even mean these days? The kids are back in school. Perhaps you have a, a new approach at your job in the fall. Maybe there are implications there One of the big stories today, and of course, this was announced just several moments before we go live here streaming on YouTube. If you're listening to the podcast later in the day, this may be old news by now, but the Bank of Canada raising its overnight rate by 75 basis points, three quarters of a percent. That means that uh, its policy rate is up at three and a quarter percent since March the bank has increased its policy rate by 300 basis points. That's a full 3%, the fastest pace since the mid-1990s in an attempt to bring inflation back to its mandated 2% target. When you're talking about inflation these days, you're talking about 7%, 8%, in some contexts, double digits. And of course, uh, that's a big deal. If you're sitting with a variable rate mortgage right now, if your lines of credit are variable rate loans uh, then of course this is also a big deal for you every bump in that interest rate means you're paying more plus more at the pumps more at the grocery store more with the kids back to school supplies maybe some new clothes a new pair of shoes if you're shopping for new shoes by the way check out yesterday's edition of real talk our edition of the leading edge an amazing story about sustainable footwear absolutely love that stuff but we'll be talking about finances in the days to come. We'll check in with the experts and get you different perspectives on what that interest rate hike means for you. But there's no better source of perspective than what you tell us. We'd love to hear from you to talk at RyanJesperson.com. How does a rate announcement like this land in your backyard? Are you one of those who saw this coming back in June and maybe locked in your mortgage or or, or maybe re-upped before that big July hike that saw that... Big full percentage point increase. I wouldn't say you'd be gloating, but you could write into us and, and let us know why you did that or how you saw it coming. What about those of you that are in the same boat as us? We literally have a call with our bank today to deal with our mortgage. Now, thankfully, we've been able to lock into rates that were offered a month or so ago, but those are still on the heels of that July and so it's a different landscape for everybody right now that maybe doesn't have the long enough memory to think back to times where interest rates were the norm in double digits. Uh, if that is your case, I'm sure that the elders in your life are reminding you that in many circumstances, mortgages back in the day were at 18 or 20%. Felt like people were buying houses on credit cards, trying to get those mortgages paid down as quickly as possible. Has the mindset changed? Has the wiring changed with people in their late 20s, early 30s, into their 40s, this generation? How do we approach debt loads? How do we approach susceptibility? You know, these stress tests that everybody talks about when it comes to qualifying for mortgages? This is why they do those, because when inflation starts to get out of control, then all of a sudden interest rates change, and then all of a sudden people's monthly expenditures change. I might be stating the obvious, but I suspect that for some Canadians, including some real talkers, there's going to be some rude awakenings when you start to see what those minimum payments or what those obligatory bi monthly or monthly payments look like. We're going to be taking a look at that Jasper wildfire today as well. Of course, every Wednesday we head out to Jasper, so to speak, as part of our My Jasper Memories. You you may be familiar with the Chetamon Mountain wildfire. Started a bolt of lightning uh, just after midnight on Wednesday into Thursday, about 30 in the morning on Thursday. A lightning strike started this fire, which has really grown. Uh, there are no communities at risk, but we do have an update for you from our friends at Tourism Jasper. I dodged a bullet on a personal angle here a little bit we were passing through Jasper last Thursday this was literally just hours after that lightning strike and managed to get around to golf in it wasn't a big deal at the time you could see some of the smoke but it was it was one of those things where the choppers were already on it and of course we couldn't ignore it but we did see that fire burning managed to pass through Jasper and then of course I won't say that's when I'll hell broke loose that's a little sensational again no communities at risk right now but still these things with wind and the proper weather conditions uh, can really grow fast we'll bring you the message from tourism jasper and jasper national park plus i I do want to show you some photos of my time out there but we'll do so in the proper context we're going to talk polling and politics with philippe fournier in just a moment Uh, our guest the founder of 338 canada We'll check in on the Quebec election. We'll get his take on that home stretch, the leader of Canada's Conservatives, soon to be announced. And, of course, same deal with Alberta's premier. There's going to be a new one by the first week of October. Uh, We'll get a sense of where Philippe is at with that. Before we do, this is a great time to let you know that our friends at Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food have a big announcement to make, a big announcement as they welcome another team member to the fold. Now, this one's close to the existing staff. When we say this is a family business, they mean it. And so welcome, Matt, to the team. Matt's, of course, uh, Amanda Monsma's husband and Greg and Joy Monsma's son. I love how this family rolls. They are passionate about the health of not just their pups, but yours too. And so... Matt, new to the team, is going to be doing a lot of the deliveries through Central Alberta. This is what I tell you, what we love about Grand Dog Essentials, the quality raw food delivered right to our door. Edmonton, Calgary, Central Alberta. Every week, the promo code REALTALK gets you 10% off your first order at granddog.ca. Great blog resources there you can check out. Take Do a little investigation, a little digging on why a move to quality raw food might be the best move you can make for your pup. Our friends at Westworld Computers want you to know that right now they're overstocked in M1 MacBook Airs and MacBook Pros. And so they got a sale going on right now until September 11th. You got four more days, up to $379 in savings when you purchase a new M1-powered MacBook. Plus, they're extending hours on the weekend for the 10th and the 11th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. on the Sunday. They want you to have extra time after that Labor Day long weekend to get your back-to-school and back-to-work savings in. Check out westworld.ca. And it's a big night tonight at the Friesen Brothers in Fort Saskatchewan, Edmonton as well, September 7th, we were telling you. That's today, the first event right here in our home city, the uh, healthy Insight events. This is a great initiative that Friesen Brothers is hosting. 25 bucks a person includes a glass of wine, a charcuterie spread, and 15% off Friesen Brothers Healthy Choice or health and beauty departments. This is a way to better understand our bodies and how we can fuel them in the smartest way to get the most out of our personal health and well-being. You can check out all the details and register at Friesen.com. As mentioned, of course, the Quebec election is underway. You've likely noticed if you've been paying attention to the national news, though, of course, we do acknowledge that most of the headlines are dominated by this ongoing manhunt in the province of Saskatchewan and the horrific tragedy that unfolded there. But, alas... Other things happen, and we're grateful that Philippe Fournier is here to help us keep an eye on it. He's a, a poll analyst. This guy's all about polls and politics. He's the founder of, of 338 Canada. He's a political columnist with uh, Politico and do I understand this correctly? are, are, are you an astrophysicist as well? We've never talked <laughs> We've never talked about that. It's always like the oh yeah, by the way element of your introduction.
0: I have a day job. That's true. I teach (laughs) physics, astrophysics and astronomy in college here in Montreal. And good morning to you, Ryan. Thanks for having me again.
1: It's always such a pleasure (laughs) to have you here as we take a look across the country. Let me let me ask you on the astrophysics front before we get into politics and policy and polling and where Canadians are at. uh, I've no doubt you've been paying attention to this newest NASA mission, the the, the Artemis mission. We talked to Dr. Katie Mack about it. For the benefit (sighs) of those on the podcast, you just rolled your eyes so hard you might get a migraine.
0: It, it, Dr. Mac is such a gem. I was so happy to, to see her on your podcast. Uh, fantastic communicator, very smart. And yes, uh, the the I actually, I teach all the physics class in my department on a rotation. But astrophysics and astronomy is the only class that's been changing lately. Uh, I you know when I thought start teaching, Pluto was a planet. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, th- things like that are changing, and I I can't just show. Uh, images of the Hubble telescope anymore. We have a better, greater telescope now in orbit, and so uh, it's it's fascinating to see how fast this is going, and I love you know, to teaching my students uh, all this knowledge that we have uh, accumulated over
1: the years. Let's get into this Quebec election. Uh, for people outside of La Belle Provence that maybe haven't paid the closest attention to to some of the factors at play, to what the polls are saying early on, uh, to maybe what might unfold, can, can you bring the rest of Canada up to speed?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So, so far there hasn't been much movement, but we usually say in these fall elections that the real campaign begins after Labor Day, so that's now. That's It should get started now. Uh, but so far, at the CEQ of Francois Legault, Francois Legault won in 2018 for his first mandate, and he seems to be cruising to an easy-majority uh, at the National Assembly, uh, somewhat similar, but even to a greater extent than what Doug Ford did uh, with the PCs in Ontario in last June. So there are 125 seats in the Quebec National Assembly. It takes 63 seats to have a majority. And right now, my latest projection has the CAQ at 96. So more than 30 seats clear of the threshold for majority. Uh, we... Uh, have a very divided electorate. We have five parties uh, running this time, five parties that have a chance to elect leaders. Uh, so uh, even though the winner of the election is probably known, unless there's a big turnaround, uh, the dynamics of the National Assembly will change tremendously depending on who the leader, the leader of the opposition is. And we have an upstart party, a conservative, a right-wing populist party, in Eric Duhem uh, who aligns closely with Pierre, Pierre, Pierre Poeliev at the federal level. And I think who would be mostly friends with uh, if Daniel Smith win the premiership in in Alberta. So this is a party to watch, I would say.
1: Uh, We'll get to the conservative, the federal leadership race and to the race to be Alberta's next premier in just a moment. If you're just joining us, live streaming audio on the Mixler audio app, we're talking to Philippe Fournier. Uh, Of course, the big story today, aside from what's happening in Saskatchewan, will be the the Bank of Canada hiking interest rates by another three quarters of a percent to 3.25%. People are going to be looking at their mortgages, at their lines of credit, it, uh what have you affordability uh, cost of living the economy seems to be forefront in most canadians minds how much of a factor is that in quebec's election
0: well it should be front of front and center i mean of course provincial governments do not decide what the bank of canada does well neither does the federal government but it's 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 to the feds to decide uh so it's what has been very disappointing so far, I guess, in this campaign, and I'll say it up front, is that it seems, aside from maybe Québec solidaire and the Parti Québécois, two marginal parties for now, for now uh, it seems that it's a race of who will be, give the Quebecers the biggest tax cuts. Uh, we're, the main parties are not talking much about the environment. They are not talking about future generations. They're you know, trying to please the, the aging population of Quebec, the baby boomers generation of Quebec. And so, uh, talking about building more roads uh, and uh, they're giving cat task, tax cuts it's uh, it's easy to get cynical around here but uh, they have to please the short term uh, the long term is not really on the table unfortunately in this election I don't think it's much different from other provinces to be honest but it's been, uh, you know, next time you see Francois Legault uh, go to Ottawa and try to beg for more funds. And remember that he offered massive tax cuts during the action uh, the, the, the campaign. So uh, it's going to be for an interesting uh, federal provincial dynamics next time around.
1: Premier Legault was was quite prominent in, in the recent First Minister's meetings himself. And Premier Horgan seemed to be kind, kind of co-quarterbacking this attack on the feds, demanding more for the provinces when it came specifically to health care. Uh, I've talked to Supriya Devetti several times on this. You look at uh, the province of Ontario and uh, with a full blown health care crisis unfolding in front of the millions of people there. We look back on their recent election campaign, uh, the one that Doug Ford, of course, won another resounding majority. And you look, you'd have to search uh, for meaningful conversation <laughs> or debate, let alone meaningful policy on health care. What about Quebec.
0: It's I would say it's similar so far. They talk about it, but uh, you know the, the talk about private privatization of the healthcare system is on the table. And of course, we have some private healthcare in Quebec, as does as do every other province in Canada. Uh, but it's uh, I would say it's um, it's very. Uh, d- Tearing up debate I would say in Quebec the fact that we the solution to uh, to the the healthcare woes that we have is to let private sector make profits out of a, out of healthcare so uh, you know again the actions in Quebec uh, are much more similar to what other provinces have usually we don't talk about the national question we don't talk about separation we don't talk about a possible referendum uh, it, we, you know, we're just talking about day to day and short term stuff, uh, like other provinces.
1: Uh, have you seen this tweet? I wanted to show this to you. I've been looking. I hope you haven't seen it yet. This one. From, have <laughs> you have. seen it? The one from Alex McPhee that, that compares where Alberta and Quebec were in 1982. Versus 40 years later in 2022, says the caption, just kiss already, right? With conservative dominance, elections are boring. And then, of course, with separatists, federalists fighting and, of course, elections exciting. Do you see some direct lines? Do you see some parallels between two (laughs) provinces that, that otherwise perceive themselves to be worlds apart?
0: I, I see parallels with provinces that want to make their electorate believe that they're victims, and there's some merit to that, of course. Sometimes the fez, you know, the, they, they 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 breach provincial jurisdiction. So so, uh, but there's a lot of capital, the political capital to gain in blaming Ottawa for everything. Sometimes it's justified, sometimes it's not, and so Alberta and Quebec are very similar in in, in this kind of politics. However, I would say the difference here is that. I I follow Alberta politics from afar. I'm very interested in what's going on. Uh, The Alberta separatists are not quite similar to the Quebec separatists that we saw in the 90s. Um, So it's a different discussion. But yes, uh, blaming the federal
1: government for everything is always popular in those two provinces. Can we get into (laughs) this a little bit? How How did the Quebec separatists in the 90s differ uh, from the Alberta separatists or nationalists or whatever you want to call them, the Alberta sovereigntists, I think, is the yeah. preferred phrase right now. Where are they similar and where are they most different?
0: In Quebec, uh, the separatist movement began in the sixties and seventies, and it mostly started from the left. And then it became a more broad, a broader coalition of voters that were both on the right and on the left. I mean, you had Lucien Bouchard, the conservative, and then you had the Pierre Bourgault, the, 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 the socialist, if you say. And so it, it was a broad coalition of voters. And when we had numbers on Alberta separatism, it seems to be all on the right. There are some exceptions, of course, but I see very few Alberta NDP voters saying, "Yeah, I'm, a, I, I'm in for separation." And so it seems to be more of a um, uh, settling grievances than actual, you know, movement to 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 grow uh, and, and actually have separation. So it's not that we don't take Alberta separatists separately uh, seriously. It's just that the road ahead is very, very rocky. I know it gets you votes. It gets you party financing. And it's very good for Danielle Smith's campaign. But will it be good policy once she's the premier? If she is the premier, uh, she will have some days of reckoning, I believe.
1: Well, I think it just, to me, I've, I've never really had the most open mind about it. I've never taken uh, the assertion or the, or the movement seriously because there are so many barriers in the way it makes no sense uh, I mean, pretty major things like navigating treaty relationships uh, <laughs> I mean, or you could just stop it there. Uh, Or we could keep having a conversation about about this sort of uh, what I believe to be a delusion uh, that it would be easier to run pipelines through provinces once you had withdrawn yourself uh, from that nation. It's it's yeah. Thank you. It's insane. It makes absolutely (laughs) no sense. And anybody that seems to sort of give credence or take this seriously to me hasn't considered some pretty obvious barriers. It, it,
0: Quebec came very close to being becoming a country. Forty-nine point four percent voted in favor. Uh, when I see uh, a real movement that encapsulates both the le- the left and the right into a one movement in Alberta, then I'll take it seriously. So far, it looks to be settling grievances. I'm sorry if you're able to separate as a listening to this. I know I'm the uh, you know the Laurentian elite from Quebec and Montreal telling you this, but. It, it doesn't seem very serious for now
1: yeah I, I don't know what I am I don't know what Sorry. Kind of, I don't know what kind of elite I am but uh I, I share the <laughs> sense that it's just an absolutely boneheaded direction to take the province in I want to ask you more about Alberta and 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 what you think the implications will be of the federal conservative leadership race in just a moment uh, we're talking to Philippe Fournier 338 Canada that's his Twitter handle you can follow him there we encourage you to do so this conversation is presented by our friends at apex automation they're putting out a call to professional Engineers, you got your PEng. No matter where you are, are you in Quebec? You watching this from BC, Ontario, Newfoundland? Wherever you are, if you've got skills, you know you bring to the table. If you're intrigued by giving your clients back their time with effective automation. You can check out apexautomation.ca today. They have built their business and tripled its size over the past couple of years because they focus on their people and the personal and professional potential that's there to be reached. Your next career move could begin with a visit today to apexautomation.ca. Of course, your next career move could also begin with a visit to Athabasca University, Canada's online university. Tens of thousands of Canadians look to AthabascaU.ca, their world class accredited online programs and courses. Why? Because of the flexibility to learn at your own pace on a schedule that suits your lifestyle. If you ask me, Athabasca has got to be the most underrated research center in the country. There is a ton going on. As a matter of fact, on tomorrow's show, we're going to talk to a, a nursing professor there that's examining racism in healthcare using a new computer model. It's fascinating stuff. That's one example of thousands of what's happening at Athabasca University, Canada's online university. Park Power is proud to support, not just that, but power our hashtag, #RealTalkRJ, RJ, the friendly local utilities provider that more and more Albertans are looking to to save money through bundling services, electricity, natural gas, and internet, and of course also paying less on administration fees. You can compare rates today, what you're paying right now versus what you'd be paying with Park Power. And when you take your business there, make sure you use the promo code 2022-REALTALK to save $70 off your first bill. Oh, and a shout out to everybody that could use some life-changing luxury right now we've been telling you about the covenant foundation lottery at covenantfoundationlottery.ca now the early bird the bonus prize deadline has passed but you've still got time for a life-changing win that's right a 2.2 million dollar dream home in southwest edmonton up For grabs, 5,400 square feet of pure luxury. A rec room, a gym, a botanical room, fully furnished, ready to move in. Plus, your ticket supports palliative and urgent care at the Misericordia and Grey Nuns Hospitals. Get your tickets today at covenantfoundationlottery.ca. Our guest, Philippe Fournier, an astrophysicist a poll analyst, <laughs> and of course, a political columnist as well. I should mention, I, I, I like making this distinction because it provides some insight into what makes you tick. You're always quick, quick to clarify. You say, I'm not a pollster, I'm a poll analyst.
0: That's right. I do not perform the polls myself. I occasionally commission a poll here and there, but I ask professional pollsters to do it because I don't do the polling. I publish the polling, I analyze the polling, I deconstruct the polling, but I don't do it myself. They are very talented professionals uh, that do that throughout this country. But Ryan, if I may have a postscript on what we just said sure. before, uh, just a few minutes ago. I, I wanna stress, I I love Alberta. I've been many times, I visited Calgary, Edmonton, Jasper, Banff, I've stopped for gas in Red Deer. Uh, I still <laughs> haven't gone to that man, magnificent uh, museum, the dinosaur museum that I heard is magnificent. I just wanna say, you know, I'm a friend of Alberta because I've been many times and I'm looking forward to my next visit, just to make sure I'm not hating on Alberta so your listeners know. Uh, I'm I looking
1: forward to go. Philippe, I, I don't think you're hating on Alberta. I mean, <laughs> as a matter of fact, I think, and, and it seems to be a bit of a, you know, to be crass about it, a bit of a pissing contest these days. Um, <laughs> I released a video last week where I where I addressed so-called my fellow Albertans, and I just wanted to, to remind my fellow Albertans about what conversations typically look like on the national stage and how we can sometimes, unfortunately, be perceived. And it was something that came from the heart. And I had some critics come at me and say oh your fellow Albertans say questioning my loyalty to the province or questioning uh, the love that burns in my belly for this place where I was born and raised I think there needs to be a reality check and it allows me I guess to segue into this because you were the first person I thought of when I saw this new poll out from Nanos did you see this just out yesterday the majority of Canadians polled view a politician's open support of the trucker protest as a negative. Nanos, in fact, determining that 70% of Canadians they talked to said that they would perceive support of the trucker convoy and the Ottawa occupation as a negative. How significant is 70% when it comes to national polling?
0: It's a clear majority. There's there's no photo finish in there. Yes, absolutely. I saw these numbers and they are in line with what we've seen from other pollsters since the Ottawa convoy. Um, We see that it is only among conservatives that this number is divided. Among the voters from other parties, it's pretty unanimous uh, that this convoy was Uh, a danger to democracy because they don't seem to be listening to reason. We get that people are angry about the last few years in in government officials, uh, both at the federal and provincial levels have made many mistakes. And so we improvise along the way. But uh, what we saw last winter and what we seem to be continuing to see on a periodic, uh, you know, periodically uh, is completely out of line uh, with democratic values. And so uh, I'm not surprised at all by these numbers. They are in line with what we've seen before.
1: Okay, so what does this mean uh, for the federal conservative party moving forward? Because as you suggested, it could be a divisive element a divisive factor and quite likely will be especially when the governing liberals and the NDP and everybody else starts to dig in their claws they've been leading leaving this leadership race alone for now but you could argue that nobody was more supportive of those truckers than pierre Polyev. we assume he's going to win this leadership race unless there's some sort of earth-shattering event uh but he is i believe the next leader of canada's conservatives probably the safest proclamation i've made this month (laughs) Uh, so what does this party look like moving forward including its identity its direction and 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 the safety of its base how safe is that base of conservative voters for this new leader
0: well, that's a very good question, Ryan. I would say the base is safe. Uh, the the Conservatives have around 30% of the country solidly behind them, and I'm not sure what it would take for them to vote otherwise. Perhaps uh, perhaps maybe a few points will go to Maxim Bernier's party, perhaps, but that 30% seems to be the absolute floor for the Conservative Party. But 30% is not enough to win. They need 36 or 37, or maybe 38, to win, to be the Liberals, especially votes, uh, more votes in urban and suburban Canada. And now, uh, Monsieur Poiliev had a very effective campaign. He was in your face. He was provocative. Uh, I, I I don't think that... Um, I think he pleased a lot of Conservatives. However, I'm not sure that he pleased a lot of uh, Canadians that do not vote for Conservatives. And the numbers bear that out. Uh, the, the latest Ipsos that we have from Go Global... News say that uh, only 23% of Canadians view uh, Mr. Poiliev favorably. And among conservatives, that number goes up to 57. So I wrote this for Political Ryan about a few weeks ago. It says Pierre Poiliev embarked on the largest enrollment of members in this country's history. This is the biggest one we've ever seen. And yet, I look at the numbers right now the federal numbers 32% for the Liberals, 30%, 32% for the conservatives. They're tied. So the Conservatives have more members, will they have more voters? Uh, so far, it says no. They don't have fewer, but they don't have more. And um, I think they would have to count on Justin Trudeau and the Liberals really screwing up in the next two years, which could happen. But uh, so far, the Pueliev uh, movement has galvanized Conservatives. They have not managed to unite Canadians around this cause, for sure.
1: Philippe, the, there's no doubt that the Poliev campaign was effective. The, the messaging was, was, as a matter of fact, impressive. I'm not necessarily talking about the content of it, but the delivery, to be sure. Uh, some of it uh, chided and mocked, but at the same time, people were talking about it. It accomplished its goal. We're seeing the same strategy from Danielle Smith in Alberta, but we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, what do you think it was that led to more than 300,000 people <laughs> to buy memberships to support Pierre Polyev? That's, like you said, a Doubled the membership of the party.
0: Yeah, that's insane. It's a huge number, and we we can't just dismiss that because uh, you know I know some commentators in this country do not like Poiliev. You have to at least appreciate what a campaign he ran. Sure, Uh, that was really impressive. But nevertheless, the goal is to win elections, right? And uh, there's no indication right now, as of this moment, at least, that Poiliev grew the conservative base. Uh, I, I would like to tell you that it's going to be closer next time around, uh, but perhaps it will be more of a question of people being sick and tired of liberals than being enthused by a Poilievre uh, leadership and perhaps uh, him as, as prime minister. Uh, he will have to pivot. I, I know he's not the kind of guy to pivot. He's been a pitbull politician since the Harper days. Uh, but if he doesn't pivot, uh, he's going to give a lot of ammunition to those who don't like him. And I know the Poiliev campaign said that the biggest space of voters in this country is people who don't vote. Well, that goes both ways. There's a lot of people in this country who could wake up and say, "Hey, on, this guy would be PM. I don't want that. Uh, so they have to be very careful to thread this line, because if Poiliev continues to be uh, this divisive and this in your face, it could displease many Canadians that would roll their eyes, hold their nose and still vote liberal. Philippe, do you still have a few more minutes?
1: I do. OK, I want to ask you about uh, there's you know, you, you, you sort of offered that caveat in a sense. And, and and you said if Justin Trudeau doesn't screw up, which he could uh, probably, I think of course, <laughs> the, the most obvious screw up, although you never know uh, w- with politicians, you never know, Uh although- a bit of a Teflon element to this Prime Minister, but I digress. One big screw up would not be giving the NDP at least something that they yeah. demanded as part of that coalition of support, right? So we can expect dental care, some initiative, some funding, perhaps some sort of a, a federal or national pharmacare initiative. But, but what would represent another big screw up here, probably something around cost of living, communicating to Canadians. Where would you suspect or suggest that this federal government tread carefully over the next couple of years?
0: Yeah, the the real answer, uh, Ryan, is I don't know, because we know the problems at airports and passport offices did a lot of rounds in the media this summer, and it doesn't seem to have heard the liberals at all in the polls. Uh, What would it take? I mean, if the economy slows down and, you know, slows down for long stretches, uh, it always hurts any government of any color. So that could be it. But uh, what you said about the NDP, uh, I'm not sure how much leverage the NDP has. Um, Perhaps they'll say, well, we'll put all all support if you don't give us dental care in the next year. Uh, You know, if I'm a liberal strategist, which I am not. But if I'm a liberal strategist, I say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you want to do that? Go ahead go ahead, we'll tell progressive voters across this country that you want an election right now and uh, and you want to have a face-off right now between Claude and Justin Trudeau and good luck with your 25 seats. Oh. Uh, maybe you, know, you don't want to be in your face with your partner, but if the NDP tries to push around the liberals, I'm not sure it would necessarily be beneficial to them.
1: What's your gut? tell you on why people might change their affiliation when it comes to their political support. We see the numbers right now and it it shows about 30%. I mean again, this is so far out from an election so take it for what it's worth, but about 30% voter support for the federal conservatives and about 30% for the federal liberals. Both of those down about One percentage point from the last federal election. So they've barely moved. Does the average voter informed or otherwise typically move their support after due consideration? In other words, they're not happy with where (laughs) they planted their flag. They've examined the alternative and they're making that move. Or do most people do it as a a bit of a snap judgment out, out of anger or frustration or otherwise?
0: Uh, That's a very good question. It varies from time to time. But I would say that in the case, let's say, of Andrew Scheer in 2019 or even even Erin O'Toole in 2021, they had to prove to Canadians that they were up to the PM job. But in 2024 or 2025, it's going to be up to Justin Trudeau to prove that after almost a decade in power, he's the one who has to prove why he wants to be prime minister for another term. Uh, And so that's uh, time, there's a wear and tear of time in this country, and that's good for democracy. Uh, And the conservatives throughout since Confederation almost have benefited a lot from the liberals after a decade in power screwing up and voters being tired of them. Uh, But Justin Trudeau will have at some point to tell Canadians why he wants a fourth term, because this third term has been quite underwhelming. Do you think he wants a fourth term, or do you think we might see another liberal leader? Um, I I could see it both ways. I would say, however, that if he does leave, the liberals are in trouble because to win an election for the liberals, you need to win between 30 and 40 seats in Quebec. And I do not see anybody in line uh, that could do that. Uh, If uh, unless there's a special uh, candidacy that comes around that we haven't. That, that, that's a surprise. Uh, I do not see uh, Melanie Jolie or Christopher Freeland or uh, any of those, those people winning 30 to 40 seats in Quebec. And if that's the case, you split Ontario, the Conservatives win the West, and then you lose government.
1: This sounds like a a question coming from the shallow end of the pool, so I apologize. Uh, (laughs) I I don't have the graphic. I've actually just received it. We've been looking for this for a while, and and credit to my parents who managed to track down my brother's high school yearbook, including that you're wondering where this is going, uh, including the the, the graduation banquet program where the class historian at Henry Wisewood High School in Calgary, Alberta in 1997 was Jeff Poliev, who, of course, is now going by his given name, I suspect, of Pierre Polyev. Uh Does the name carry some heft uh, when it comes to winning in Quebec? Does Does Pierre Poliev out of Calgary, Alberta, stand a better chance of winning in Quebec because of the francophone-sounding name? I know it sounds like a shallow question, uh. but will it work?
0: It, it's not a shallow question. It, it would be shallow if Pierre Poliev went on Radio Canada and stumbled his French as much as Andrew Scheer did. Uh. Uh, he speaks great French. And that he speaks better French than Emin O'Toole, even though Eamon Routoul was okay. Uh, I think his French is great, and I think he will be able to debate in French. And, uh, you know, it's not only a matter of language, but it, that takedown in 2019, we, you know, when we talk about a debate takedown, the classic example is Turner-Moroney at e right? Well, most English Canadians missed the takedown in 2019, that TVA debate in French. It started at 8 p.m., in that eight-old fight, it was over for Evan For the first five minutes, he stumbled in answers about uh, about abortion. He could not express himself in French, and the debate was over for the Conservatives. And we saw the polling in Quebec, which had been favorable to the Conservatives, nosedive, and the Quebecois jumped up. And so, uh, if you can't express yourself in the language, in a native language that uh, more than half of Quebecers have on the only language, they're unilingual francophones. If you can't speak to those people, there's no way they'll vote for you. So, Poyev is great, French. So this is this is what matters. I think the name doesn't carry much.
1: I'm not suggesting that anybody actually do this, uh, but I would bet a thousand dollars on the outcome of the federal conservative leadership race. I don't think I'd bet more than ten. On the outcome of the leadership of Alberta's United Conservative Party, though you, you can argue that that in the immediate or short term the stakes are higher. Whoever wins this one, uh, it'll be announced first week of October. Becomes Alberta's next premier. Everybody's talking about Danielle Smith. Uh, I yesterday went on a bit of a rant. I was a little surprised that she publicly identified. Alberta's former finance minister, Travis Taves, as Jason Kenney's handpicked candidate. Now, now some people made good points back to me and said, no, no, no. Danielle's trying to remind everybody that Travis Taves equals Jason Kenney, that if they're mad at Jason Kenney, they should be mad at Travis Taves. But here's what I think the more and more loony that this leadership race goes, and I'm not just talking about the Sovereignty Act, which which I'll get to a little bit later on in the show, but also, you know, Brian Jean, former Wild Rose Party leader, for the benefit of those listening outside of Alberta, announcing this week that under his government, no vaccines will be mandatory. There will never be any more lockdowns, regardless of what's happening. It's like a race to the bottom. I think that the more reasonable card-carrying conservative members may in fact, go for the former finance minister. And I think the front runner could wind up losing this one. What does your gut tell you about what's going to happen in Alberta?
0: I'm very careful to go with my gut when it comes to Alberta. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, again, looking from afar, I, uh, it's it's it looks like quite a shit show, if I may. Oh, this is the first time I swear on your show. Oh, you it can say like whatever you want, show. buddy. Yeah, <laughs> It looks like a shit show. Uh, that, again, you said the race to the bottom, I think is the right word. It's just that, again, she's not speaking to Albertans. She's speaking to UCP members and the most dedicated UCP members. Uh, This is the the Poilier recipe on on steroids. Uh, And it it, it could work. Uh, I do not know because we haven't seen much numbers on the race. Uh, the, the, The name recognition, of course, Daniel Smith and Brian Jean were the highest in the, the polling that we did see in the spring. Uh, but uh, we, I can tell you, not only from Quebec, but elsewhere in Canada, we are looking in awe and in uh, with various, uh, lots, lots of suspicion at what's going on in Alberta. A few thousand members will decide the next premier. But yeah. there's an election in the spring. Uh, if, unless there's a snap election, right? Nah, you would know this, I, right? I,
1: I don't <laughs> think, I mean, it seems to me, I, I, and I haven't asked every one of them directly, but, but the ones that I have spoken with, uh, it seems to me that the the majority of leadership candidates would take that fixed election date and stick with it. I can't imagine the benefit of calling a snap election, uh, especially under a leader who may fail what would come across as sort of a confidence vote. And there have been some debates over uh, whether or not Danielle Smith might survive something like that. The sleeper name in all of this, I, I think and there have been you know great campaigns run and, and not just saying this because some of my friends are working on them but Raj Insani and Leela here have run strong campaigns uh, I, I think that Rebecca Schultz is another one to keep an eye on she's not a favorite here but she's got the endorsement of Ronna Ambrose she's got the endorsement of Brad Wall I mean pretty significant players when it comes to not just conservative politics but western Canadian conservative politics so it remains to be seen what'll happen there, there's there's my safe call for now I know I'm playing it really safe there Philippe but what do you want me to do
0: But you have to play safe. Again, we haven't seen any polling that shows a clear frontrunner. I mean, Pierre Poiliev, we know he's a frontrunner, not just because he had an effective campaign, but we had poll over poll over poll that show that he's the the favorite among conservative supporters. We haven't seen numbers on the Alberta race. So I I hope there will be numbers. We could see some surprises. Uh, But again, we have to remember, if we're talking just for a minute for the next general election in Alberta, I think it's May 29th, uh, Remember that the election is going to be played in Calgary. Uh, Edmonton is going to stick with the NDP, at least that's the data we have. And most of the regions, not all, but most of the regions of Alberta, the outside of the urban centers, will go for the UCP. So whoever wins Calgary uh, wins the election. Uh, is Danielle Smith uh, the way she's been behaving and the way she's proposing this sovereignty act and promising no more lockdowns and no more vaccine uh, mandates, even though you know this is a far-fetched scenario? Is that really going to please uh, the Calgarians uh, and the the urban centers in the the, the financial center of Alberta? I'm I'm not sure. Uh, She's playing. She's giving a lot of fuel. Another ammunition to the NDP for the next campaign, for
1: sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll play some audio a little bit later on in this episode from Alberta's Premier Jason Kenney, who just absolutely tore a strip <laughs> off the idea yesterday, uh, talking about his, his recent, I don't know what you want to call it, a trade mission or a, some a visit anyway, uh, over to Korea. He says the international investors are not looking for some sort of defiance, political instability, uh, you know, a, sort of a wavering commitment uh, or, or almost defiance to the rule of law. It seems obvious. Obvious, Philippe, to state it, but sometimes it's important that we do. It's always great to see your face. Thanks so much for making time for us. We took you into overtime today, but sometimes we lose track of time when we're talking to somebody with such an interest in polling and politics. Thanks for doing this. Thank you, uh, Ryan, and talk to you soon. Take care. You got it. That's Professor Philippe Fournier. You can read his work at Politico and L'Actualité, and, of course, you can check out 338Canada.com. He's the founder of 338Canada. Yeah, we'll get to that Kenny audio in just a little bit. Pretty remarkable. I mean, a lot of people have been critical of Alberta's premier. Yeah, I know he resigned, but he's still the premier for now. Uh, They say that he's interfering with the leadership race. I would also suggest probably a counterpoint. He's concerned about the direction of the party that he established. He's concerned about where this is going to go in an unsustainable kind of a way. We're always curious to know how you feel about what you're seeing or hearing on the show. You can be in touch with us anytime to talk at Ryan And of course, that includes submissions for trash talk. Is there something that's, that's really resonating with you, quite frankly, pissing you off? It doesn't have to be something political. It could be traffic circles or speed limits or uh, door-to-door salespeople. Uh, It could could be the, the temperature this time of year. Or it could be your most recent golf score. It's presented by our friends at Local Environmental Services every Friday here on the show. You know, Local Environmental Services has been operating for a quarter century across the prairies. Alberta and Saskatchewan constantly expanding their footprint. For our friends in Sturgeon County, you'll know Callahoo Waste. Well, Local Environmental Services uh, several months ago acquired that family business and they're continuing to offer more and more services that prairie residents need, whether you're running an agricultural operation, a commercial operation, or whether it's a residential community, look to local environmental services for your garbage and recycling management, for landfill services, water hauling, vacuum trucks, even fencing and portable toilets. You know, they want to earn your business because to them, they believe that communities deserve better. You can learn more today. Request a quote at localenvironmental.ca. Our friends at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge have the Prairie's best selection of Ram trucks. John, I was talking to a friend over the weekend. We were on the road in my 2022 Ram Longhorn, Mm -hmm. and we'd played some golf. I asked him on the first tee box if he might want to drive the Longhorn home. You know? (laughs) I mean, it it was a selfish move on my part, so I could have a couple cold ones on the golf course. Mm -hmm. Well, by the end of it, as he was driving home behind the wheel of this crew cab ram longhorn he looked to me as i sat in the passenger seat he said you know i've been a gm guy my whole life but i think my next truck might be a ram there you go he said jespo you're an under the influencer <laughs> and so there you are The Ram 1500 Classic on special right now with up to $10,000 in total discounts. You can shop St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge online under the sponsors tab on our website, ryanjesperson.com. If you're one of the more and more Canadians that are looking to this $40,000 interest-free loan from the federal government to upgrade your home to solar, you're going to want to go to kubienergy.ca today. You can request your free quote from the company that's providing solar energy solutions to power your life. That's right. They're doing installs, commercial, industrial, agriculture, and residential across Western Canada, proudly based out of Edmonton, Alberta, and Kamloops, B.C. If you go to the blog link at kubieenergy.ca, you can learn more about that $40,000 Canada Greener Homes loan. As mentioned, interest-free, so you can get solar up on your roof. You can request your free quote today from kubienergy.ca. We talk about this leadership race here in our home province of Alberta. It seems to have been almost an ongoing or ad nauseum conversation over the past couple of months, and I know people are getting exhausted People want to know what does the future look like, not just for Alberta's Conservative Party, but for the province as a whole on the national stage? Will it be a collaborative relationship with other provinces in the federal government or more of a combative one? Of course, Danielle Smith, one of the perceived frontrunners in this race, has been talking about her so-called Alberta Sovereignty Act. And one of the things that's really unique about this one, it's earning consternation from both sides of the aisle. If you check out today's Calgary Herald, you'll find a, an op ed, an opinion piece that was submitted by Alberta's former premier, now the leader of the official opposition, Rachel Notley, who says the Sovereignty Act is a dangerous distraction that threatens Alberta's future. That's what the opposition's saying. But what about within the House? What about Alberta's current premier? jason kenney went up one side of this act and down the other yesterday and uh our friends at the breakdown put a video compilation together to bring the highlights you don't hear a premier speaking this candidly typically about so-called conservative policy when they're a conservative premier but if in case you missed it here's jason kenney
2: well it's completely with precedent for a premier to articulate and defend government policy Uh, the government i lead was elected on a platform to build a strong alberta in a united canada uh, to create uh, jobs the economy and get pipelines built uh, and uh, to respect the rule of law the so-called sovereignty act uh, would effectively take us to the brink of separation from the Canadian Federation, would shred the rule of law, and would do devastating damage to jobs, the economy, and the prospect of pipelines. This is a cockamamie idea that was first floated by a far-right special interest group a year ago. Uh, I'm not engaging in the leadership election. I'm not uh, endorsing or opposing a particular candidate. I am maintaining the consistent position of the democratically elected government, uh, which is to defend a strong Alberta in a united Canada, the rule of law, and uh, to defend Alberta's economy. And I have always been consistent in my belief that the rule of law is a fundamental conservative principle. The Alberta, so-called Alberta Sovereignty Act, is a full frontal attack on the rule of law. I have always been unapologetically a Canadian patriot. I'm not about to become spineless on my patriotism or my support for the rule of law because somebody in a leadership campaign disagrees. This is a law and I'm going to quote from the proposal that was made a year ago on which I have been commenting for a year. The Alberta Sovereignty Act would quote pro- quotes would provide Alberta's legislature with the authority to refuse enforcement of any specific federal court ruling that Alberta's elected body deemed to be federal intrusion. So this is an idea to shred the rule of law, the authority of the courts. I just came back from Korea, talking to some of the largest companies in Asia about multi-billion dollar investments in Alberta. Uh, I can tell you that those investors The Alberta Sovereignty Act would be like kryptonite for them. They're interested in political stability, not political chaos. They're interested in a jurisdiction that respects the rule of law and the authority of the courts, not one that thumbs its nose, banana republic style at those uh, foundational principles.
1: That was Jason Kenney uh, on Tuesday uh, speaking about the proposed Alberta Sovereignty Act A cockamamie idea (laughs) a banana republic shredding the rule of law Uh, people are criticizing the premier for interfering or for for being perceived to be interfering in the leadership race and he tries Mm -hmm. to clarify there he says i'm not endorsing a particular candidate he's essentially just calling it how he sees it you'd think that this might be a wake-up call for people you know Jason Kenney, uh, who, of course, was the one who brought this party together, calling this a cockamamie idea in the middle of a leadership race. But I don't know. Has Kenney lost the room to that degree with Alberta's conservatives? Is this Alberta Sovereignty Act really going to propel Danielle Smith into the premier's office despite cries of protest from both the government and the opposition? Remains to be seen, of course, but you wonder if it may have been one step too far for Danielle Smith's campaign. Only time will tell. Every Wednesday, we're able to fill our buckets by taking a trip, so to speak, out to Jasper National Park. It's My Jasper Memories, presented every week by our friends at Tourism Jasper. Now, of course, Jasper currently... Under wildfire watch, you can't ignore the aircraft overhead, the crews that are battling this wildfire. It started, as mentioned, just after midnight, about 30 in the morning on Thursday, a lightning strike. Chetamon Mountain ablaze. Before we get to that update, though, I, I wanted to tell you about the time that I was able to spend in Jasper just hours after that lightning strike. The fire was not yet at the size it is now and so we touched down to Jasper Park Lodge on our way through to BC we have to stop in Jasper it's the perfect place to just put your feet up and enjoy what I declared to be the best old-fashioned in the Rocky Mountains now John I know some people took issue with that but I will not hear the argument there's nothing like an old-fashioned do you? I do. Well, you know what we're going to have to do, John, is we're going to have to travel through the Rocky Mountains trying old fashions everywhere. (laughs) Of course, from the back of a bus or perhaps another driver. Uh, Andrew Walker, host of the Hedge podcast, and I were able to get out and play 18 on one of the top-ranked golf courses in the country. Uh, The director of golf out there, Talon Sweeney, doing just an amazing job with their program. Iconic tee boxes, uh, including number nine. This is Cleopatra and tried to be quiet behind walks as he teed up. This is one of the most magnificent tee boxes in the country. Pretty tight, as you can see. You got to keep your iron shot there focused. The green surrounded by bunkers. Boy, is it a tough one! And then, of course, magnificent Pyramid Mountain in the background. There had a wonderful stay at the Jasper Inn and Suites after a beautiful afternoon on the golf course and. Then, what a beautiful evening to be out and about in Oof. Jasper. The locals there were kicking their feet, clapping their hands to some live music outside the Legion. It was just a wonderful early September evening in the beautiful town of Jasper. But here's the deal: as mentioned, just hours after we left that next morning, the winds and other factors started to see this. Chetamon Mountain Wildfire really expand its footprint despite the best efforts of crews who are still fighting this one it's growing and that's why our friends at Tourism Jasper are reminding you while visitors are not currently being turned back from visiting the park at this time authorities are encouraging those of you that can be flexible with your travel plans to reconsider As a matter of fact, they're suggesting that all visitors, please consider a trip to Jasper on another day when the wildfire situation subsides and full power services have been restored. So you can still pass through Jasper. It's important to note that no communities are currently at risk when it comes to this fire, but it's not the best time to head out there and stay for updates you can check out their website website which is is constantly being updated at jasper.travel slash wildfire uh, they've got updates there on the jasper Chetaman wildfire and then of course they also have updates officially from the municipality of jasper and parks canada when you are able to return to jasper we want to hear from you and see your highlights. You can hashtag MyJasper and RealTalkRJ, RJ, and your photos or video could be featured on a future edition of My Jasper Memories, presented by Tourism Jasper every Wednesday, right here on Real Talk. So the big stories today that we'll continue to keep an eye on, of course, this manhunt continues in Saskatchewan. We'll have an update on that as the RCMP or Regina Police, for that matter, make that information available. And of course, this interest rate hike, a big one. We'll have experts on the show tomorrow to talk to you about that. The conversations happen because of our friends at Eden Landscaping, our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. We encourage you to show them some love today at landscapeedmonton.ca and of course in person at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount and Baseline Road. As mentioned also tomorrow we'll check in with an Athabasca University researcher. Racism in healthcare. How's it Affecting real life people.
0: Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human resources, Lena Shepherd. Website design, Mike Johnston. voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton.
2: Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harman Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and
0: Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.